Welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. Today, I have got with me the fantastic Nicholas Haynes. Hi, Nick. Oh, hi, Kitty. Thank you so much for having me on this show. I love it. Yeah, fantastic, Nick. Nick is a British entrepreneur. He's an international speaker, and he is a teacher in Chinese energetics. You describe yourself as the vitality architect and someone that helps other people design and build their ideal lives based on their energy type. So for the last 35 years, Nick has been working with Chinese energetics to help people who are stuck and businesses that are stuck, basically, so they can create something extraordinary. So thank you, Nick. I'm so excited to have you here today. Me too, Kitty. Me too. Yeah. So I would love to find out a bit more about you. Obviously, you and I have known each other for the last four years. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy about that. And obviously, I've got to know you. But I'd love for our listeners to understand a bit more about you, your purpose in the world, which I thought was beautiful. You have a vision to create more compassion, understanding, and unity in the world. Mm, yeah. How'd you do that, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. We've talked about purpose quite a lot in different areas. And I think what you're describing there is my core purpose, the thing that sits underneath everything. And that purpose is, is something I've always done all my life, whether I was in a playground or whether I was in my family as trying to stop my brothers and sisters arguing. It was all about trying to be more compassionate, creating more understanding and having more unity. But as I've got older, I've kind of tried to take that to bigger and bigger places. So yeah, this is kind of how I tend to show up. I want things to work. I want people to be understanding, to be kind to each other and to be more unified. And my current manifestation of it is through the Five Institute, um, the creator of the Vitality Test, which is a way to for you to understand your energy type. And so currently how it's showing up in the world is via the Five Institute. We can talk about that later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love to kind of tell people a bit more about their um, energy types because I know personally it's been really eye-opening for me. And tell us a little bit more about the Five Institute and your work there. Yeah, so the Five Institute is an organisation. What sits at the centre of it is the five energies as understood by the ancient Chinese. And we're a kind of educational organization we help individuals we help businesses and it's all about how we can be our most brilliant how we can be the best version of ourselves and how we can either understand or deal with the kind of the challenges that can pop up in our lives particularly one of the big central mantras within the five institute is getting away from this kind of one size fits all approach so you may say in the entrepreneurial world, there may be a red hot topic or subject that this is how to make money, this is how to be successful, and there are these fantastic people out there that are doing it. 
that might not suit you as an individual. It might be actually the worst thing you could possibly do for you. So what we really try to do is help entrepreneurs to understand what they should do and how they should live their life. And the same with individuals within personal development, how we can be a better parent. Because take parenting, for example, there are lots of stereotypes of what would be a good parent. Mm -hmm. So we try and often try and conform to a certain stereotype of what a good parent is. And if that doesn't match our energy type, then we're suddenly we're feeling guilty or we're feeling less worthy. Or we just, our head starts doing terrible things and we think we're a failure as a parent, but actually we're our version. So it's really cherishing and loving the version of who we actually are rather than trying to conform to some stereotype or some vision we have ourselves about how we're meant to be. So for people out there who haven't come across energy types before, can you give us a little bit of an overview of the different energy types out there so people might be able to recognize themselves? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there are five main energies, and us as individuals, we often have one or two or sometimes three energies that are more dominant. We have all of these in us. So you'll be able to say, oh, I have a bit of that, and I have a a bit of this energy in us. What your energy basically does is it gives you a view of the world. It makes you see or experience things in a certain way. It gives you a certain response to situations. And every energy has a perpetual question that's all the time running, and that often informs what makes us brilliant and where our challenges lie so the first energy is water energy and their perpetual question is am i safe is it safe so this is always a running in the background so they'll look at a situation so richard branson he's a typical water energy type all his businesses are all about safety airplanes finance the whole sustainability is the planet safe so everything he's doing is that around that cold safety issue he even goes into outer space in a hot air balloon made of tinfoil to try and find the answer to the question of am I safe? And and these questions are perpetual. Even if you found the answer, you still go on searching for it. So he, I can't remember the order of it, but he traveled across the Atlantic in a boat at high speed. Then he went, but we love his businesses because they make us feel safe. Sure. That's what, that's what he's about. So that water energy is about safety. It's about, they have a very big perspective on life very authoritative so kennedy he was always testing safety as well but he had a big vision for the world sending people to them sending someone to the moon by the end of the decade so they're the big often the big thinkers then you have the uh, wood energy types and there it's associated with spring and wood energy types are very innovative they love things new and they have this like a piece of wood they have this incredible flexibility until the point they snap and then they're incredibly inflexible and you get, they're very stubborn. And their perpetual question is, is, am I free? Am I trapped? Is this blocking me? So they're the typical types of people that build lifestyle businesses when they're free. Right. Or, uh, because that's the most important to them is, is freedom. And they'll be very good at helping people deal with stuckness, uh, clear blockage. They hate things to be blocked, stuck in any way. And that's often where their value is. And they hate injustice. So often people, the big freedom fighters, people that stand up against injustice will have a lot of wood energy and they can often get very fixated, very stuck with something themselves. So when they're into something, they're really into it. So they're kind of almost uh, fixated and addicted is a nice way to... Okay. <laughs> so it could be very like that. But they're the big innovators. Then you have the fire energy types and they are hot, passionate, 
They love to talk. They're expansive within their thinking. It doesn't mean they're extrovert. It just means everything is wanting to expand outwards like fire. Right. And their big question is, am I loved? How's this landing for you? Am I being appreciated? And Kitty, you've got lots and lots of fire energy. So it makes you wonderful at doing Kitty talks because you're all the time tuning in. Is this go- how's this going for the person? What's happening? What's the interaction between me and the audience? Are people loving this? It's a high level of sensitivity to, and like fire, fire energy types are wonderful at connecting. They either create the light, the illumination for people to be able to see what's happening. So fire energy types just create light so we can see and we can really experience things. But like fire, they also connect things together. So fire will spread and just connect everything together and bring things as one. So, and they're very passionate. So that's fire energy type. As soon as you said love, I kind of love. I kind <laughs> yeah. up. And it's this back to the perpetual question. Perpetual question is, in its purest form, is am I loved? And even if they hear, am I loved? It's not heard and it has to be asked again. Uh, so I remember I was in a relationship ages and ages ago. I have a lot of fire energy like you. So hence the talking. <laughs> I remember I was in a relationship with someone who didn't have any fire energy. They were very mystical and deep. They had a, we'll talk about metal energy later. They have this metal energy, very mystical and deep. And I love the mystery. And I asked her if she loved me. And she said, I think I told you last week I loved you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> um, why would I need to tell you again? That just because you told me last week, it didn't mean it had stuck. So it's our challenge and our gift. So all of this just becomes fascinating because not only does it help you in business, it helps you in relationships. Like you said, you get two fire energies together. Fantastic. But if you get two mismatches. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you've got the earth energy types and their perpetual question is, am I understood? Do I understand? So they're always looking to make sure they understand what's going on and can get very stressed if they're in a new situation and they don't understand what's going on or if they don't feel understood, they'll really work hard to try and make sure that they're actually understood. And there you'll often find them in the world of counseling, coaching, or caring, or teachers, or communicators. They also have this incredible ability to bring things together, different things that wouldn't normally fit together, they will put them together. So Elon Musk with Tesla, He has his ability to put together the motor industry and the electronic industry and the computer industry and the aerospace industry and create a completely different concept of what a car should be. So earth types have this very caring, nurturing side to them, but they're also very good at bringing things and people together. And then the final energy is metal energy. And there, every energy has a season to it. And the season of autumn, which is related to the metal energy, is a real giveaway because that's when things disconnect, when things end, when things finish. And the metal energy perpetual question is, what's missing? What isn't there? What still needs to be done? Like autumn, they have an incredible ability to be detached and to be distant. So the actor like Johnny Depp, he's a typical metal energy type, as Kate Moss is, and we see a lot of the models. And they have this perpetual distance their gift, their ability to step outside and see what needs to be done in the simplest, most efficient, cleanest way. And they love numbers. That's a way to work out what's missing and what's there and what isn't there. So they're measuring things all the time. So this girl I went out with, she had a lot of metal energy. And I loved her because I thought she was incredibly 
deep and mystical and I couldn't connect with her because there was this distance between her and the world. Wow, she's really, really deep. And I was searching for a deep, deep relationship. When I was about 15, I thought, I I want to have this deep relationship with this wonderful mystical person. She was actually very dim and dull and boring, to be honest. But... (laughs) But I know I just saw this mysticism and I, and I absolutely adored it. Absolutely adored it. But she wasn't ever going to tell me she loved me. No. So long term, that wouldn't have worked, would it? Because you're... No, no. I would have been forever. One of my big dominant energies, earth energy. So I'm always trying to work out things. Right. And deal with. So I love the perpetual trying to work her out. Right. If people want to work out their energy type. um, Because I know you've given it the vitality test to the world. It's open source, isn't it? Yep. So people can go and yep. go onto the, is it vitalitytest.co? Yeah, yeah. you just go to thevitalitytest.com yep. and that will take you there and you can take the vitality test. It'll tell you your energy type, it'll give you a report and then we'll give you other information and different ways to support you. Because once you can understand your energy type, then everything just starts to get so much clearer. Yes. Relationships alter. You start to perceive yourself in a different way. You recognize where you're valuable, where your challenges are. It just opens up a completely new world to how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to other people and how we show up in the world. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, you know, looking to follow their passion and purpose, if they can understand their energy type, then obviously it's going to, like you said, it's going to give them a deeper understanding of what they should be doing yes. and what's in alignment with them yeah and even even with the understanding about what actually is purpose and what is passion just when we understand it from our energy state then we get a far deeper understanding about what our core purpose is and why we sometimes think we haven't actually found our purpose when we actually have yeah so what advice would you give to people out there who are listening who looking into that question of what is my passion and what is my purpose? Yeah. The big advice I'd say is we have a course called very novel course called find your purpose. And, but one of the things that it starts out with, it really starts exploring myths about purpose. And I think that's a bit where people start to have problems. So just picking a myth about purpose, that purpose will make you fearless. You'll be braver. You'll be more courageous once you are following your purpose or you'll have more energy or more vitality you'll feel more alive that may or may not be true it depends on your energy type though some people find their purpose but don't get this result of feeling fearless so they think well perhaps i haven't found my purpose because i actually i still feel afraid Mm. But that's their energy types, that water energy of looking for what's safe and am I safe? They've still got their fear. So my big thing about purpose is don't buy into all the stereotypes, all the kind of myths about purpose. It'll give you energy. It'll make you fearless. It has to be big. This idea that purpose has to be massive and something incredibly expansive. That's true for some energy types, fire energy types particularly. They want to have massive, big, expanding purposes. But for someone, their purpose could be to love themselves, to be understanding of themselves, to empower other people. And it could just be that they do that for their kids. They Mm. don't have to take it out and expand that onto a world level. It Mm. can just be in their environment. Mm. Okay. 
And the other thing I think that's really important about purpose, and you mentioned mine, which is about bringing compassion, understanding and unity. That's my core, what sits at the core of me. But I have lots of expressions of that. And we can sometimes get confused and we can think that our expression is our purpose. So you think, oh, my purpose is to help women entrepreneurs to have more freedom. That's actually an expression of a core rather than your actual purpose. Ah, okay. Because this is where we get confused with, this is where passion comes in and we get confused. So if you do it, this is an example where we see this time and time again. So say a woman is starting out in business. They say, my purpose is to help single women live the life of their dreams. Or my purpose is to help everyone find the person to love. That's my purpose. Then when they find love and they have a child, they say, my purpose is to help young parents to have more freedom to do the work they love and have more freedom. And then when their kids become teenagers and become disruptive, their purpose becomes to help parents deal with disruptive teenagers. And then when their kids live home, their purpose is to help women through transition, dealing with loss of their children. And then when they hit retirement, it's kind of how to live a life. So what they think is their purpose is actually their passion. Right. And that's because they're experiencing it. Because they're experiencing it. And if you look at what sits underneath the core of all those examples, it was all about freedom to be yourself. Ah, I see. Which is different. So what is that person's actual purpose? Well, their purpose is to help themselves and other people be free to be themselves. And that's their primary question in reverse. Yeah. And that is often they may well be a, a wood energy type that's looking for people to have freedom. Wow. There were lots of expressions of it. So we can get wrapped up that we think, oh, my purpose is this. And we name the expression because actually your core purpose is your core purpose and it stays with you throughout your life. It doesn't keep the expression of it. We'll keep on changing because we change and we grow and we're in different circumstances and we're passionate about kids because we've got kids or dogs or whatever it is. But that is not your purpose. That's an expression of your purpose. Mm. often relate to your passion at that moment in time. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so if people want to understand a bit more about this, because obviously it's quite a kind of complex subject, there's a passion and purpose course. There's a course called Find Your Purpose. And it's a course that I've done with Matthew Newnham, who's my business partner. He's very knowledgeable in this area. And we've put my 35 years, his 35 years together, and we've really dug deep into this subject. And I believe it is different than any other course out there it digs deeper into this subject and it breaks apart and it really helps you find your purpose based on your energy type and who you are and so we do this differentiation between core and expression we have all the myths that confuse people and then a step-by-step process that helps you find your core purpose and the expression of it and it's done in a series of videos and you know we could probably put a link below yeah. This interview for it. It's called Find Your Purpose. A very novel name for the course. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Find Your Purpose. <laughs> so one of the things we like to do on Kitty Talks yeah. with our guests is talk to them about how they found their purpose, their story. Okay. I think listening to other people describe how they came across what it is they're here to do on the planet helps others. Yes. So I'd love to understand a bit more, Nick, like you didn't just fall into what you're doing. How did the universe so you take you to what you're doing now? 
Yeah. Well, I, actually, I think I did fall into it. But <laughs> I think there are a few kind of pivotal moments that you look back on your life, you can say, okay, well, which moments formed me? Yes. Uh, and I think one of the kind of big forming moments, I was five years old. I came from, a, there were a family of five of us, five kids. I was five years old. And my mother had a very serious breakdown, a kind of psychotic breakdown. She was hospitalized very quickly. And us five kids, we were farmed around to different families and fostered around. At five, I think it's an interesting age to suddenly be dropped into a different family. And what's interesting is even at that age, I was already expressing my energy type. So my energy type was trying to understand what had gone on. So my understanding of what went on was that I wasn't wanted and I wasn't valuable. So I was just put around to different places. So I developed at that stage a very, very low sense of self-worth at that particular stage, thinking I wasn't valuable. No one loved you. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So that was a very formation of a lot of work I started to do later, which was trying to help people understand why they are valuable why they're okay to help build their self-esteem. So that started to arrive at that stage. I also had to develop an ability to fit in very quickly, to understand what was going on and to fit in. So the unity became very important for me at that particular stage. Then things were kind of, my family eventually got back together again. But that pivotal time of when I was being fostered around, I started to hone and get the ability to fit in very quickly or to work out what's going on. And I had a tremendous need to try and understand what's going on. And through my teens, I really struggled with anxiety. I had lots and lots of panic attacks, very hypervigilant. I was all the time looking at everything very, very wound up and very, very tense. And I, 13, my mother got me to do transcendental meditation, and that really helped. So I did lots of meditation exercises, lots of things to work on this, and to really understand what drives anxiety and what makes it happen and how you deal with it. But it really was coming from this thing of me not understanding the world. And I had this desperate desire to try and understand how things worked. I then was doing applied biology at university and we had to do a year out in industry. And I had offered two jobs. One was working at Portland Down germ warfare place. And as a pacifist, I think it was a pretty good idea working on germ warfare weaponry. No, I said, I don't think so. And they also knew what I was like. And they said, we don't think so. (laughs) The other job was videotaping chickens inside a very small shed. And as well as my anxiety, I had a lot of claustrophobia. So the thought of being a year inside a very small shed, looking through a window, videotaping chickens, I thought, that's not for me. (laughs) So, So I turned down both my options. And My mother, God bless her, she got me, found an acupuncture college in California that were doing some research into photographing people's auras using curly and photography. And they wanted to look and say, do people's energy fields change after acupuncture? So it was the research into that. And I started doing, I was involved in that research and that was my job out there. But in order to understand the research, I had to start studying some acupuncture, some Chinese energetics. And I remember just sitting in that very first class and you know the film The Matrix when they sit in front of the screens they can just see all this kind of text and screen moving. And when I first understood, heard about the energies, it was like I saw The Matrix. It was a very, very bizarre experience for me. 
And I suddenly saw why people did what they did. So although in the class, all they said was they'd mentioned the energies, this is how it affects your health. I saw politics, I saw economics, I saw history, I saw my past. I literally saw the code behind the world. Right. And I would have thought it, it would have freaked me out to have this out-of-body yeah, experience. Wow. experience. But actually, it was incredibly calming. I felt an incredible sense of complete calm. I thought, I now have a way to work out the world. I now have a way to, whatever happens, I can understand what's going on just by applying and looking at the energy that's beyond it. And do you go on then to use that to cure your anxiety? Yeah, I mean, my anxiety to a large extent just stopped as a result. As an earth energy type, I have to understand. So once I understood, I kind of felt much calmer naturally. Right. And I had all these other things that I did. So yeah, my anxiety, this virtually disappeared. Yeah, to the extent when I was coming back from Los Angeles one time, I used to fly. I didn't have a work permit or a study permit. So I had to keep on flying in and out of America every few months. Right. And one time I was flying out of Los Angeles and the plane caught fire and it was all smoke and all this sort of business. And everyone around me was panicking and someone had a heart attack. The person next door but one wet themselves. It was a pretty intense experience. Yeah, and I was really, really calm and I was reading a book and I was just starting reading the book and the lady next door to me, she shouted, she's saying, what's wrong with you? We're going to die, what's wrong with you? And she was really freaking out, thinking that, was, that I had done it or something. The plane was on fire. Yeah, it was smoke inside and we had, we'd gone out to sea to dump fuel because when you take off, obviously the plane is full of fuel. Yeah. It has too much fuel in order to be let to land. So we had smoke inside the fuselage and we were out flying out to the ocean to dump fuel. So we had about 20 minutes with lots of drama and people shouting and screaming about dying. And Why were you so calm? Well, that's what, she said to, that's what she said. Why were you so calm? Well, first, it was never as bad as my proper anxiety. It was always worse than, than any reality. And my view was, I was reading a book. And I said to her, look, I'm reading this book and it's a really good book. I kind of want to know what's going to happen in the end. So I want to read it, find out what happens. If I'm going to die, at least I'll know what happens at the end of the thing. If I'm not going to die, then I haven't wasted my time panicking. Either way around, it's going to be fine. I'm either going to die or I'm not going to die. But you wanted to find out what was but, happening in the book. But yeah, but the, my rationale was I wanted to find out. But you know what? Someone else was in charge of the plane. It was nothing to do with me. I was either going to die or not. Wow. That was it. And if I died, then I died. And I would then find out whether or not there was anything afterwards. And if there wasn't anything afterwards, then I wasted my time reading the book, but that was fine. <laughs> so it was, again, it gave me the ability to have a perspective above what's actually really going on. And do you think it was a shift in consciousness that happened? or what? Was um, I, I th- certainly think understanding the energetic nature of things was a shift in consciousness. Yeah. And the ability just to see things from outside, from where they were. So I then did that training as an acupuncturist. I then went and worked in a hospital in China. I set up a complementary health center, set up a big acupuncture college, which is now one of the co-founded an acupuncture college. It's now one of the biggest in Europe. And I still chair the board of directors and we train hundreds of acupuncturists. And I practiced for 35 years as an acupuncturist. Very, very happy. Well, I remember you, you had a two-year waiting list to see you at one Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went from anything, it was always six months, and it, you would regularly go up to two years. 
as a waiting list to see me. And I was very, very loved it. I was really happy. And what made you shift out of that to what you're doing today? Yeah, it, it's again a kind of shift in consciousness. I was very, very happy, but I was starting to get niggles that there was actually something beyond that I should be doing. I remember at quiet moments driving to work, thinking actually a thought would pop into my head that there's something more. And I would think that actually I really like my life. I earn very good money. I have wonderful holidays. I had my kids were a lovely family. My house was beautiful. I loved treating people. I had an absolutely perfect existence. And I didn't possibly think there was anything more beyond that. And I went on holiday to France with my family. And the first day, which actually was my birthday, my father's house had a massive big French barn, massive oak barn. And at the top of the barn, we used to store boats for the lakes. I said to the kids, I'm going to get one of the boats down and we'll go down to the lake. So I put this very tall ladder up against the side of the barn to get down the boats. And my brother said, oh, shall I let me hold the ladder for you? And I said, no, no, I'll be absolutely fine. Mistake number one. And this is typical of my high level of wanting independence. So mistake number one, I said, no, no, I'll be absolutely fine. So I get this boat, I'm jiggling it down. I tug, the ladder slips away. I'm falling far enough to know that and have time to turn myself over because I was falling backwards. So I thought I need to fall onto my side. So I fell onto my side onto a concrete floor from a very high and I broke all my ribs, bits off my back, ruptured my spleen. I didn't know I'd ruptured my spleen. I just knew I'd broken a lot of things. So I was taken off to this hospital in France and I was lying there and I could see on a monitor, I I could see my blood pressure dropping and my pulse. And my wife said to the nurse, is it all right? His pulse is getting very slow. And they said, oh, it's just the morphine. And I could see it literally going to 40, then down to 30. And I could see my pulse going slow and it went down to kind of 20, 23. And my blood pressure was getting lower and lower. And you could just feel myself just going. I could feel it just dropping. Or dying. Yeah, because I think when you get into the the extent that you can actually feel your heartbeat going... Yeah, slowing down. So slow and everything going so calm. And it was a very kind of still calmness. And men are meant to think about sex every couple of minutes, aren't they? Well, so also they say, I don't, I think about energy. That's what I think about. So I was lying there in this very drifty state. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm just energy. This is an interesting place to be. And I had my hand resting on my stomach. And I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hand into my stomach. If I'm energy, everything just moved through space. And and, and I put my hand into my stomach. And it was really weird. I could literally feel my hand going into myself. And then I pulled my hand out. And then I put it back in again. And I pulled my hand out. And when I pulled it out, I thought, oh, my hand is wet. It's really strange. My hand's wet. And then I kind of thought, oh, my goodness, I'm bleeding inside. And that's why my blood pressure is dropping and that's why my pulse is is going i'm actually bleeding inside and i thought to myself i need to tell someone that i'm bleeding inside then i thought oh my god i don't speak french i think i might be unconscious oh i can't i literally it was a very weird experience and i finally thought well it doesn't matter i can't speak french because i could just put a thought into anybody's head do you think this is the morphine or do you think this because you were slipping over to the other side or i don't know i suspect it was a mixture but it was a tangible sense that we are energy and matter is nothing but energy everything is all one everything is energy 
Yeah. I thought if everything is energy, then all I do is I put a thought into someone's head that this is what's going on. So, I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And the moment I did that, my wife leaned over and she said, they've just told me that they think you're, um, that you're bleeding inside. Wow. And I thought, yes, I know. I have just told I've just told them that. I know that. <laughs> I know that. I've just told you that. Tell me. <laughs> God, how cool is that? That's amazing. Um, and what was very interesting to me before those moments of putting my hand in and out and the transmission, you know what was, this is embarrassing to say, but I was very happy to die. I thought, you know, I have had a lovely life. I think it's not good for my wife. It's really bad for my children. It's not good for them. But on a personal level, Wow. I'm cool with this. I'm very happy to go at this point. I feel I've done my bit. I feel I've done my bit. Then when I had that in-out business and the transmission and, and got an, another experience of energy at a completely different level than I had in America, I suddenly thought, you know what? I'm going to do something different with this. I'm going to try and take this, however weird it is. I'm going to try and take it out and run it into something different. And that's where the kind of five institute came from, the vitality test, etc. To enable you to reach more people. Yeah, the idea, I had a lot of patients, because I was off for about a year and a bit, and I had a lot of patients who sent lovely cards and they were very kind and lovely to me. But I had a big bunch that were very, very angry and cross with me. Wow. And their logic was, you do this work with us, you have a waiting list, which is the way it works. But if you died, everything that you do with everyone would just be gone. There is nothing of you that would have remained. Wow. You would, everything would have gone at that moment. And I thought, God, that's really, really, really interesting because everything would have gone. They were absolutely right. There was nothing written down. It was all just... In your head. It was all just in my head. So it's really been on a journey to try and externalize it and put it into a format that's actually useful for people. Wow. So that, in effect, gave you that shift to understand. Yeah. So that really bad accident actively yeah. caused, got you to see that if you left the earth, you wouldn't leave the knowledge and all your work behind you for other people to benefit from. No. And you know what was really, really strange, Kitty? As I remembered when I was, you know, like when you have a lot of time to lie down. I remembered when I was five, lying in this old house with some family friends in this massive big bed. And I remember thinking very clearly, if I disappeared, because it was all about spacemen, this was in the 60s, so it was all about, I said, if spacemen came to get me and I disappeared, all they would find would be a dent on my pillow. That's all I would be. My mother wouldn't know. And I remember thinking, God, it's so easy just to disappear and just leaving a dent on your pillow. And that's fine. Yeah. But it suddenly wasn't fine for me. Absolutely. It was very, very interesting. Well, they say if you look back on your life, you know, mm-hmm. that you can see why the events happened and that everything kind of leads you. Yeah. And that's, that's quite amazing because without, you said you were quite comfortable where you were previously before that accident. Very comfortable. But that accident caused you to shift out and then to do something different, which enabled you then to leave, to leave your legacy and leave your work. Mm. and shifting out into a very uncomfortable place i'm afraid that's growth (laughs) we all have to do that yeah i know i know (laughs) wow and so what advice would you give for people who you know maybe they can't see they're on the right path or the synchronicities are flowing you know what advice would you give to people that are kind of on their journeys yeah and i know this is really passe and it's very very hard to do 
but I would just not assume anything is good or anything is bad. It's just trying to just go with what is and actually what's good might turn out to be just be accept what is I think is a, a really important one. If you try to design things too tightly, then the universe can sometimes have, gets to be a bit of a joke. I quite often think that if you're going the wrong direction, sometimes the universe will correct you. Yeah. You know, and actually, like you described there, you know, what on the outside looked really negative, obviously you nearly died. That's pretty bad. But in effect, that led to a higher, mm. different journey. Yeah. In retrospect, I had ignored every single one of those indications, instructions, messages that I should step out from where I was. I had ignored every single one. And it wasn't because I was scared. It wasn't because I was vain or loved having this waiting list. It was to do with I'd committed to these patients of mine that I would be there for them. And if I then went and started doing this, I wouldn't have been there for them. So it was a really interesting thought process I had to go and being off for a year I kind of find out that they were okay without me anyway yeah but how interesting is that that you would never have left them it took an incident like that to shift you out of what you were doing yeah no I would never have left them for me loyalty is a very very important one so it forced you to redesign the clinic the institute and what you were doing Yeah. yeah the clinic was very interesting because actually without me it was more successful, not in terms of patients. I brought in lots of patients and I really kept it going. But in terms of, I remember ringing up for about six months, the financial director of the clinic. And I say, the money is looking good. How are things going? Why are things good? And one of the things she said to me is, we've got rid of a lot of your ideas, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So obviously not all ideas are good ideas and some can be very expensive. (laughs) So then what led you to set up the vitality test? How did you go from that to the vitality test? Well, it was really looking at the true nature of what an entrepreneur is. And this is different from someone that's self-employed or working for themselves, or as I call a highly leveraged worker. In my mind, an entrepreneur is actually trying to actually ultimately externalize everything that they do to the point that they no longer need to exist. Whereas a a highly leveraged worker, they will be externalizing into products, but they still fundamentally need to, they're not working to their, they might be working towards having freedom and a lifestyle business where they can be free and they can work from the beach and still earn money, but they're not looking to actually externalize it to the extent that they don't need to exist. So I really went on a kind of, from my mind, what is a pure entrepreneurial journey and say, well, how can I do this? in such a way that I don't need to exist. Mm. Not that I, you don't need to show up or have this freedom business and still earn money. Actually, it will go beyond my existence and it will still be okay. That's actually quite difficult to do. Mm. It's easy to create products and systems and processes and funnels and that lot, but they all rely on your existence at some point. And at some point they will die and fade away when you do. Mm. So I've been really exploring how do you create something that won't actually disappear? Because in ancient China, in the Zhou dynasty, three and a half thousand years ago, this Chinese energy system was used for politics. It was used in education. It was used in finance. It was used in health. It was used in warfare. It was used in personal relationships, personal development. And then the information was lost over a 15 year period. And it was only remained in medicine and a little bit in feng shui and things like that. It sat in medicine. 
but all the politics, economics, there's a bit of warfare was still there. The rest of it was destroyed and burnt over a 15-year period. So and what was that? It was a shift, a dynasty. You had the Zhou dynasty. It was the first big Chinese dynasty. And it used it, like I say, in education, etc. And then you had a 15-year dynasty that came in, the Qin dynasty, which were highly mechanized war. They, they invented the crossbow, highly mechanized, and they swept through China. And their system was basically burn and destroy everything that doesn't fit with our philosophy. Goodness. So a lot of Confucius books and all the Taoist, it was, yeah, they kind of burnt and buried. They buried philosophers and burnt the books. Wow. And we had a massive, but they didn't take the energies out of medicine. And there they were hidden. And I've, in a way, what I've spent my life trying to do is, uh, well, certainly since I was kind of 20 in Los Angeles, is to kind of re-engineer that out of medicine and reapply it to relationships and economics and politics. And, and you've heard me talk about politics and, yeah. and how different countries fit together. Um, so for me, this is a, my bigger thing above, in order to create compassion, understanding, and unity in the world. I'm using the five energies in order to allow that to happen. So it's almost like a second arrival of these energies in order to do something at this particular moment in time where we desperately need to have some big fundamental shift happening. On the planet. On the planet. And I'm not alone with that. This just happens to be my way of doing it. Yes. I think it's an incredibly powerful way to use the energies in a way that they have not been used for three and a half thousand years to actually try and solve some of the problems that we're dealing with. So not only can people do the vitality test and get to understand their energy better, mm-hmm. obviously they can then design a business that works in relation for their yep. energy type. Yep. So what you basically have is you have energy cycles, long and short energy cycles and the years going on. So we've got this kind of bigger cycles going on and that's important to understand in that We've been through the kind of water energy, which is all about monarchy and all about how things were held over time and you inherited. Then we had the Industrial Revolution, innovation and new stuff started going on. Then we had the fire energy, which was all about love and sharing and etc. And about celebrity and about democracy and voting based around love. And we're basically, we've shifted into an earth energy phase where the old ways of doing things have to be assimilated and brought together. So the way that the world is trying to function at the moment is how can we reconfigure, how can we reassimilate and bring things together? How can we have a leadership that's inclusive? How can we have economics and businesses that are inclusive and allow everyone to work together with this earth energy of compassion and understanding and how can we be considerate to each other? So Nelson Mandela was a typical example of how do you create a country where you have this rainbow nation where things together. So different forms of lead, we've got different types of leadership now. Instead of having the old wood energy dictatorships, we're going to more a collaborative. So we're moving into a longer cycle about collaboration. And we're seeing more women, aren't we, coming into the fray? We're seeing, well, you know my view on gender. I think we need to get away from gender and we need to go into energy. We are seeing more earth energy types. Are women naturally have more earth energy? Yes, they probably do. But it is this more collaboration, coming together, cooperation. We're seeing a global world. So that's an an earth energy, a a proper bringing together of everything. So that's the big cycle. And these big cycles move over 20, 30 years. So they're a big, slow-moving cycle. 
And a lot of the old guard are desperately trying to hang on to power, mm. trying to hang on to the old way of doing it with wanting to be populist and this old way of doing things or dictatorial or controlling. So we've got that going on. And then for us as individuals, we've had a very interesting time since 2012. Shall I quickly just talk about that? Um, so 2012 was a water dragon year. So water energy is the only energy that leaves its mark on the earth. So think about Grand Canyons, glaciers and stuff. So water energy is about legacy and leaving your mark. Dragons in Chinese energetics are the only creatures that travel between the heavens, not the Christian heavens, but the, the bigger consciousness. They're the only creatures that travel between the bigger consciousness and down to earth. And they're thought to be messengers. So in 2012, we were given messages from the heavens about what we should do that was about our big legacy. Now, just because you're told something, it doesn't mean you'll actually do it. So to look back to 2012 and think, what were you being told in 2012? Or what did you start or what was going on? So Five Institute started at that time. I know you did the wonderful creation of ATL, yeah. 2012. Then the next year, 2013, we had another water year, which was about destiny and our purpose. But this time it was a snake. And the snake has two sides to it. One is it has to grow by shedding our skins. So 2013, we had to let go of things. If we didn't let go of things, we had the other side of the snake, which was what was, was to be bitten. Mm. And we, a lot of people got a bit of a battering in 2013. And it was, again, you were being reminded to listen to what your big purpose was. Then we go into 2014, and we have a wood energy year. And wood is new, it's innovative, and we have a horse, and that's fast moving. So this was, if you had a plan, 2014, your business, whatever you did, just took off. If you hadn't worked out your plan or you hadn't listened to what was going on, it was a bit of a fucking bronco ride of a year. It was a really tough year. Then we had the wood sheep year, which was about wood innovative, sheep about relationships. It was a year when we were meant to form our relationships, when we were meant to bring new community together, when we were meant to bond, to come together, to get an understanding. And again, if you did that, then it set you up for the next year. It doesn't matter if you didn't do 2012 properly. You can always go back to it. You can always go back to 2013. You can always go back to those eras and still reignite your purpose. And then in this fire monkey year, the monkey is fire, so it's fast. And yeah. monkeys are tricksters. It's about playing tricks. It's about making things disappear. It's about catching us off guard. So Brexit, that was a typical fire monkey. It happened really quickly. Some people weren't expecting it. No one's expecting it. And it's a trick. And this whole monkey year is really about watching out to not get caught off guard by tricks and ways of doing things. And fire, and fire is also about communication. So it's the ability of people to communicate well and share a message. So Donald Trump is doing a good job at his message. The Brexit campaign did a good job at their message. But it was a monkey thing to happen. And it's a certain chaos, but we need to go back to what 2012 was about, which was about a new way of working together. So what advice would you have then for our listeners? So people out there are tuning into their passion and purpose, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they're authors, they're speakers. Around this year, what advice, what can people do? The advice really is to be very, very selective. 
about what you take on and what you say yes to. Pause before you say yes. Look at it from a bigger picture. Just make sure that you're not getting wrapped up with the enthusiasm of what's going on and just be a bit more mindful, create a bit more stillness. And that allows the fire to be more like a laser beam and less like a bushfire that's rushing all over the place. I would also say go back to 2012 and think what were the types of messages that you were being given then that might be relevant now. Fantastic. So I'd really think about 2012, but now is the time to try and in a way slow things down and try and think about from a very wise wisdom position rather than a monkeying around. There will be tricks happening out there. Nick, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. So we're going to have all the information in the show notes. um, But just a little recap, if you want to understand more about Nick and his work, you can go to vitalitytest.com. Yeah, or thefiveinstitute.com. Or thefiveinstitute.com. And there's a free test there, guys. So go and take your test and find out what energy type you are and what your primary question is. (laughs) Help you communicate and function in the world at a much deeper (laughs) level. Nick and I now always tell each other we love each other. We do. Whenever we see each other or whenever we communicate with one another because we are both fire energies. Yeah, yeah. But Nick, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you on today. Um, And I'm really proud of the work that you are doing in the world and you're touching and you're serving loads of people. So uh, I look forward to seeing how that progresses. Absolutely. My pleasure, Kitty. And thank you again for creating that space to have these level of conversations, because very rarely can you go as deep as as this into to what you've experienced and hopefully can be helpful for other people. So thank you very much for creating that space. Absolutely. I love you. I love you too. And I love everybody else. Yeah, we love you all, Kitty Talks listeners. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.